When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm Paul Wheelock and I have the pleasure of hosting this show tonight as our usual host Ian Kroll is giving it a miss after choosing to go to the lakes at the weekend instead of watching Everton book their place in the FA Cup fourth round. I think he may have made the right decision. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk that win over Lincoln, the fourth round draw at Millwall, uh, the Goodison atmosphere, Sam Allardyce's latest dig at Marco Silva, a look ahead to Bournemouth at the weekend and a bit of transfer gossip as well. Uh, and throughout this podcast, we'll be including questions and comments submitted by members of our Royal Blue Facebook group and the men answering those questions tonight are Rob Astle Evening mate, you okay? Yeah, I'm not bad mate Max Carlisle How's it going? And Tom Clock Good to see you all again so we'll start with that 2-1 victory over Lincoln I suppose with the FA Cup or in all cup competitions the result is all that matters but you were all there did you expect a little bit more? Definitely Um, you know we I think League 2 side you know you expect to have them put away pretty comfortably and the first 15 minutes looked like it was going to be that didn't it you know went 2-0 up you know it was a training session for us but then you know classic set piece undone us again and it made it a bit more of an uncomfortable afternoon rather than it rather it wasn't like a you know Lincoln probably didn't deserve to go through because they didn't really create many chances at all we were in real control but it was our finish and won't let us down really in the end wasn't it um, but as you said we're in the, in the half of the next round and bring it on when you went two up inside 15 minutes do you think it was going to be like a Tottenham situation and evidently City did the same the following day didn't they against Robin did you really think we were going to get a hatful they thought it was going to be six or seven at least but then it just went to bits we seem to one of the concerns I've got about this side is the mental strength of the side. We just seem to flap it. Like, kind of, they kicked off, they got a few chances, and then their fans got on their backs, and it just seemed to really affect us. And the mental strength of that side is, isn't very strong at the moment, and that's, that's a, definitely a concern about that squad because we just seem to give in to them. And every set, pay, every set piece, it felt like we were going to concede because we know that we're not very strong at defending set pieces because of this zonal mark and not being used to that. So... I thought every time they got a set piece, I thought they're going to score from this. And for, for that to be against the League 2 side, we've got to be doing much better than that. So um, we just we just gave into a lot of pressure and we were very lucky that Richarlison cleared one off the line. Otherwise, that would have that would have been a draw. So and we, it would have been very different. But we did come away feeling like it was a loss in the end because it, it just wasn't good enough. And it's not going to be good enough to get past Millwall in the next round if we play like that. No, you've got to, you've got to put it in context. And I think that was why the atmosphere at the ground, you know, was, was tense. As, as Rob said, there it was. You know, it's, it was one of those performances where credit's due to Lincoln. They wasn't, they weren't a superior side by any sense, but they, you know, credit to Danny Cowley and, and the team that he set up. They're very physical, and I think the majority of the players are over six foot. And when the approach that we're taking going forward is swinging balls into the box against these centre halves that are, you know, six foot upwards, you know, we're going to struggle, particularly when our strikers aren't in the best of form. Um, as you say. It is all about getting in the half of the next round, which, you know, we are. And 
I've got a feeling this season may hinge hinge on a you know a good cup run. But you know, as Tom said, their the performances really have to improve if we do want to progress. Just to pick up on uh, Tom's point there about mental strength, we'll start with you, Rob. Uh, you know, it, they did waver for a little bit, didn't they? After Lincoln scored for 10 minutes, there was a bit of a rocky spell. I totally agree with you, mate. I think it was more comfortable maybe than the, the scoreline suggests. But is this team lacking leaders? And is that maybe reflected in the fact that the captain's arm man seems to be getting passed around so much this season? Yeah, I think you've got a point there. I think I think we've lacked a, a good leader for, for quite some time. I think it's one of the reasons why we've struggled against the top sides for so long. We haven't We haven't had that character within the team who you feel is going to you know get down a referee's ear you know and, and and really get the team going at the same time I thought Coleman could have really come in and done that given how we you know we know we can play but yeah he hasn't seemed to have done it but yeah we, we're missing we're missing that general in the team you know who can come in and and really rally the troops and it it it, it again showed on Saturday we went to, like like a we went to pieces, just completely went to pieces when uh, after they scored for, for well, till at least half time really. And every set piece, you know, you, you thought, oh, here we go again. Um, but but yeah, th- I think that's something that Silver probably has tried to address this season as well. He's had he has tried a few captains, hasn't he? You know, he tried Davis early doors. Um, he's tried Sigurdsson. He's tried um, he's tried Coleman. Um, you know. Maybe there's a captain in there somewhere else in the team. I don't know, but it's definitely something that does need addressing. You mentioned Davis there, and uh, a couple of people on the Facebook group have, have been asking Matthew Barry one saying, "Is Marco Silva finally comes to the conclusion that Tom Davis and Dominic Calvert Lewin are not at the level required? Given you know he was dragged off at half time." Callum Lapsley said something similar. He said, "What next with Tom Davis? Does he need a loan? As he seems to be going backwards." Start with uh, you, Tom, and before coming to you, Max, what do you make? Particularly at Tom Davis, because I was re- I was desperate for him on Saturday to to get get all that game by the grip of its neck and really show what a, a good player it is. But it just didn't work out, did it? No, it's a shame he didn't take that chance because a lot of people thought that might be his kind of level to to prosper and to kind of show us what he's really got against an opposition who aren't as good as the ones that we've been playing in the Premier League. But he he, he wasn't. He was kind of like he tried to play the pressing game and was overrunning on several occasions, leaving his position completely uncovered. And I don't think he's as good in that role. I think. If he's going to play, he's got to play as a number ten for me. He's got to be the backup yeah. for Sigurdsson because he's not good. He's not good he's enough. Not strong enough, is he? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's a little bit erratic at times as well. Still um, in that defensive midfield role, so I don't think that's his role whatsoever. So um, I think that's why he was brought off because he's not very good defensively. So um, it was a shame for him, but also for Calvert Lewin as well for him to, to be held off at half time after he got an assist, but he just he just a bit toothless in attack really. So um, for both of those, I think for Davis though, I think whether he needs a loan. Probably does, yeah. Um, Silver's kind of ruled that out. Silver said, "I want him in my, in my team. He's definitely a player that we need." But for me, he, he does need a real confidence boost at a level where he will prosper. Hopefully, as a number ten, to be honest, because he's not a defensive-minded player. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. And in terms of when Silver made them a captain, I I had my reservations whether that was about Tom Davies' leadership qualities and rather a statement of intent to lads in the academy that this is where you can reach. You know. Um, and, and in terms of his, in terms of the game against Lincoln, where the credit due for Lincoln, I felt was from that central midfield area. Um, the work rate of their midfielders was evident, and mm. they did show, they showed our midfield up, Tom Davies included. Um, I don't think Idrissa Gay is the best partner for Tom Davies if you are going to play him in that role, because obviously you know it's come to light now that when Idrissa Gay is on the ball, 
he's doubled up on and you know his, his, his passing's been sloppy as of late and he often loses the ball and like Tom highlighted, um, highlighted there, Davies' defensive abilities, that's not where his strength lie. So if you've got a midfield partner who's often lo- lo- losing the ball, it, 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 you know, it doesn't bode well for you. Um, and I, I agree 100%, and I'm disappointed that I've raised several times. I rarely want to see him given a run as a number 10. I think as well with Tom Davies as well, he, he's had he's had Koeman, Allardyce, and now Silva. And he's kind of like, bore the expectations of a midfield for quite some time now and such a young lad and I don't think that's helped him either because he's not he's a young lad you know he's not he's not he's not had that arm around him has he he's basically been the, listen mate we need you you need to just keep on plugging away and it's like you said there he's, he, he might be more suited to the number 10 role which mm. I, I do agree with but he's not been given that opportunity because there's no one else really to to plug the gap it's he's literally been used to play with really, hasn't he? Not yeah. not to be played in the in the proper position because down to poor recruitments through previous regimes, and we've he's just kind of been put there. Really, I think that's another thing on Davis. I think didn't he have his best spell in Everton shirt as a number ten on the Cumin? He, yeah. he played Barkley to the right, didn't he, and Morales to the left with uh, Lukaku up front. He's not a number ten in. I'd suggest like a person who's going to slide through balls all the time that be that creative force but he can press can't he that's what he's got good about him but you, the problem is will he ever get a go unless Sigerson gets injured I don't think so um, because I feel like that is an area where we are in dire need of, of a player that will find that space in between the lines consistently Um and what Rob touched on earlier there, obviously when he was brought into the team, obviously he burst on the scene, didn't he? Scoring that goal against Manchester City and the bar was set high. He was, you know, we've all, I think Everton have been notorious for always being a side that have had a good quality young local lad in the side. And I think obviously when Ross Barkley went, all that pressure was lumped onto Tom Davies. Um, he's been the top of, the, of discussion among supporters. You know, some slate him and I don't believe, you know, he merits that. But in, ter- and in terms of his development, as I say, he kind of fizzled out a little bit and a loan spell may develop him physically as it does with a lot of players, so that might be in order. Another player who may, unfortunately, leave Everton, if not January, probably at the end of the season, is Leighton Baines because I think he proved again on Saturday that he's too good to be sitting on the bench, isn't he? You know, uh, we, we wanted Davis to, to look a, a step ahead or a couple of levels ahead of Lincoln. Baines certainly did that. So the question would probably start with you, Rob. It's like... Can Everton get him in the team in some way? Or is it impossible? I mean, you know, he's the greatest left-back of my generation. You know what I mean? I've, I've grew up with Leighton Baines being that staple point of, of... It was his place, basically, to lose. And it's obviously now Lucas Dean, who is performing exceptionally well as well. You know, is there a space for him on that left-hand side? Maybe as a left-winger? Kind of what the PNR role was, maybe? I don't know. But I, I don't think I'd, I'd be gutted to see him leave at the end of the season. Give him one more year to play in games like he did yesterday. Because I know it was only I know the other day, I know it was only Lincoln, but he was one of the few players on that pitch on Saturday who who used their football and brain. You know what I mean? He, he was the rest of them were just pinging passes, yeah. pointless passes yeah. around and things <laughs> like that. But he was top notch, leading veins. And if Marco Silva can somehow fit him into that team, great. And it, it's effective, but I wouldn't want Leighton Baines to be just pushed somewhere just for the sake of putting him in, and he's made to look even worse, if you know what I mean. Is it too late in the day for Martinez's 
very brief <laughs> experiment of a midfielder because I just just looked at him and he's he's as you were saying there, Rob, he's so clever, isn't he? He's a really good footballer. Yeah, I, I think he, it's time he, to pull the trigger on it. You know, what is there to lose almost? Because let's face it, Everton are good in numbers in midfield and, and probably the midfielders aren't playing particularly well at the moment anyway, are they? And especially if you consider, you know, the rumours that are coming about Adrissa Gay mm-hmm. potentially leaving. It, it saves you going out there and spending 40, 50 million on inflated prices with the January window. Um, I have, you know, I've, I've, I initially feel I don't think he'd get shown up if he played there because, as you said, he got, you know, he's got a good football and IQ. He's a very intelligent player. And compared to Idris Gay at this current moment in time, he is so much better on the ball. You know, he's just got a, a greater understanding of the players around them, where they're likely to go. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the debate to be had that. It, he might not play the same game if he's if he's in the middle as opposed to close to the touchline. But as I said, I just feel like he he's just one of those players where it'll benefit him. I think one thing what might hinder Baines, he is strictly left foot, isn't he? Mm. And if you look and play him in the middle of the park, you you've want, got to go he, both ways, haven't you? You've almost. got to go both ways, and I, I think that's one that's one thing where I don't think he might it wouldn't suit him. Which is why I think maybe maybe in that left hand on that left-hand side, mm. let Dean do all the running and then you've got Baines being the brain behind it and picking the passes out. I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting to see how he does it, but I love him. I think yeah. he's, he's, I'd give him, I'd give him two years to be honest with you. Oh, maybe he could be in maybe sort of the, the Gareth Barry role, kind yeah. of what he played. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I don't think he's ever been replaced, Gareth Barry. I know he's, mm. he's certainly not the player he is now. We've seen that at West Brom, but do you think Everton have had as good as midfielder? I know Gomez would probably claim to be he probably is a better player than, than Barry but over a period of time Barry was a great player for Everton hopefully it will be Andre Gomez to be honest because I think he's kind of stepped into that role uh, obviously we had the Barry and McCarthy partnership um, it was very solid for a, f- for a few years and obviously McCarthy's back now so hopefully he can step back into that role and be as effective but there has been talk of him leaving this month so um, we don't know if he's going to carry on at Everton obviously but uh, Andre Gomez definitely filled that void for me I think um, alongside Ghana um, if he's going to leave but I do think Baines might be the one to fill that role possibly because we've got it. He, he, he showed on Saturday he's, he's too good. I thought that was possibly the chance to give him um, an opportunity, opportunity in midfield against Lincoln. I thought maybe that was the game to do it. We spoke about that beforehand a little bit about whether we were going to play him then in defensive midfield and see how we did because that would be an appropriate opposition to do it. But obviously Silver chose not to do that and he might on another occasion when we're short but um, as we said we've got to fit Baines into that team somewhere he's too good to be on the bench and um, I would like to see him in that role to be honest maybe alongside Gomez We've, we've mentioned as I say Garner guy a fair bit so far so it's probably the right time to bring it up like we've, we've all seen I'm sure everyone listening at, at home or in work or on the way to work have heard it too about PSG and uh, it's just a guy you know they want a defensive midfielder he is a defensive midfielder so play devil's advocate a bit or maybe fantasy football a little bit. Start with you, Rob. If Paddy Sancho-Man come in, start off with a £25 million bid. For a 29-year-old, he was a very good player. He proved over Christmas that he's an important player given when he was out. But what do you do if we starting with that offer? It's nowhere near enough. Just tell, tell, them, tell them, give them a figure that's, that warrants the five-year deal that he signed last year and the lad's abilities himself and say, listen, come back when you will, with a figure, when this figure, when you're willing to talk properly. You know, for me blue tinted glasses on we spoke about it just before it's got to be higher than the 40 45 that you know that the papers are saying that we want I think the club's got to prove that if they're going to sell the players they've got to be able to get top whack for them 
and they're not they're not going to be taking as mugs whether it's PSG coming in for them or, or whoever. And personally, I, I wouldn't sell them until the replacements in. But at the minute, twenty five million wouldn't I wouldn't even I wouldn't even pick up the phone. <laughs> Just to play devil advocate, and I spoke about this last night from a dresser guy's perspective. I think he's fully merited the move. Um, I think the last three seasons he's been in the top two tacklers in the league, and and I don't know about interceptions, probably probably up there too. Um, I would say obviously Andre Gomez isn't our player. He's still a Barcelona player, but a dresser guy is our best midfielder. I think he, out of anyone else in the Everton squad, would walk into a European top side because physically, physically, I don't think we've got anyone in better shape you know he can cover every blade of grass he obviously is not the best on the ball and you might be able to get away with that in a different league um, Champion League football he's French speaking that move would be perfect for him um, and I think he fully deserved it I've got no hard feelings if he does go but as Rob said you know the valuation's got to be got to be right and the value his value to Everton is a lot higher than 45 million Consider, you know if you look at our, our depth in that position we've, we haven't got anyone that can cover him yeah, not to push him out the door already, but I think we have been looking at replacements already. I've, I've seen a few names linked. Uh, I think Wilmar Barrios was one, but there's been a couple of midfielders linked to Everton, and it's not a priority position in terms of transfer targets. It's not a position I'd say we need to strengthen right now in the transfer, January transfer window. So for us to be in for a midfielder linked to a couple of them, maybe someone's going to be on the way, whether that's McCarthy or whether it is Gana Gay to be going out the door. So I do think there will be a... Um, Quite a big exit in uh, this January for the uh, from from Everton point um, points of view in midfield, and we will sign someone to replace them because uh, there's the interest there. So obviously it looks like someone will go, and maybe it will be him. I was reading one of Phil Kirkbride's pieces uh, the other day, and it was a, as you'd expect from our Everton FC correspondents. It's obviously an informed piece, and he said if Everton might not do any business in in January because it's obviously a tough market, but he said that he thinks brands or the, the club will be looking to strengthen centre midfield and the right-hand side in the summer. I imagine the striker, everyone understands the striker situation. Does that hearten you that, that, that they are the positions they could be looking at? I think that's what we've... I think that's what every fan this year has probably watched Everton has said where, you know, where the, where the, the trouble points are, really, that right-hand side for me especially. Um I don't want us to be dictated to. I want us to go, well, hang on a minute, we want him. So, all right, then, if we get him, then you can go. That's that's the kind of attitude I'd be taking on it. Um, I give what Max said there. He's the one player in, that, in this team who I couldn't begrudge a move like that. You know, mm-hmm. he gets to play Champions League football. He's been our best player for the past, past three or four years. You know, the profit that we'll make on him as well. You know, what do we get him for? Was it seven? Five, seven, five, seven, seven million, million something, you know, something silly like that, you know, to get to get potentially 40 plus million for him, you know, was really good business by the club. And um, again, I, again, I sound like I want him to go when I don't. I think he's, I think he's fantastic. But if there's going to be changes, then, you know, it's got to be on our terms. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Looking ahead to uh, to Millwall because obviously beat Lincoln, that's the reward. Is it a reward? <laughs> what, was, what, what were your feelings think, when you seen that's all come through? You know, at the end of the day, it's lower league opposition. They're not doing too great in the championship. We should have enough on our team to put them to bed at the end of the day and be in the, and be in the, fifth, the fifth round. You know, yeah. th- there's no if or but about it. It's, th- for me, the... 
the staples were it's either a home tie or lower league away, one or the other. And it's it'd be a bit of a tasty affair given the history between the clubs. But, you know, we should have more than enough than that. I I have my reservations about Everton in London. We, I, I, don't, I, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I think our long-term form in London just isn't the greatest, of course. So obviously I kind of look at that and think, oh... Might be a banana skin that would slip up, slip up on. Particularly if you look at the, you know, you look at the eleven that we fielded against Lincoln. They should have been blowing them away. Didn't. So and it's interesting because obviously you know you look at that and you see okay, Marco Silva is taking the competition seriously, which all fans would want. Um, and as I said earlier, a cup run may be you know the one shine in life from our season. And yeah, I think we've just got to go for it. I think you'll personally see Richarlison start the game. And I think you'll see go. I think you'll go full strength completely. I don't think you'll be any there'll be any messing around this time, any tinkering. I think you'll go. The only player who might stay in is Baines. Yeah, the thing is though, like with them being quite a physical side, would you risk the likes of Bernard and Luckman? Maybe they'll get chunks kicked out of them. Possibly we need to like kind of play the physical yeah, players. Maybe, yeah, but I don't Could know. Have said that against about Lincoln, though. Yeah, you know true. what I mean. Mm-hmm. We had, we had our reservations about whether we play Bernard, and I said, well, he's either going to get kicked to pieces or he's going to be twinkle toes and. Within those first couple of minutes, he showed he was twinkle toes. So, you know, hopefully he could put in another performance like that. This kind of debate probably kicks off another section of the show, but it's, it also leads me to a question from Anthony O'Loughlin, who's on our Facebook group. He said he's confident to beat Millwall in the fourth round. He reckons we play better away from home. And he asked you guys, do you think the pressures of playing at Goodison are making some players nervous and underperforming? I think there's a few new players, isn't there, who maybe not used to it yet. Um, I think... Um, Maybe not, because I think a lot of the new players enjoy playing at Goodison, but there, obviously there is the pressure there, everyone roars if there's a loose ball, things like that, but you're going to get out of mind at any club, we want to see good football, and I think there's been an unfair um, painting of Everton fans in the press that we're kind of like too demanding from um, Sam Allardyce's second, people saying that, well, he's getting the results, why don't you want to keep him? But now we, we demand more, and I think that's um, the view of Everton fans wider, um, that too demanding but I don't think it, I don't think it is to be honest I think um, we, we've been playing well at Goodison and I just surely they can they can perform so I, I, I don't think so really I think they're not getting the back too much obviously Tom Davis there was a, a debate around him whether he was uh, getting jumped on a little bit by the fans earlier in the season but um, I think if you're playing well they're going to they're gonna be, be behind you um, Everton fans completely so it starts with the players really Max, I know it's something you picked up on. You said it on Twitter yourself, and I and I, and I certainly do have opinions on it as well. It, it, about the atmosphere, Lincoln's fans were brilliant on Saturday, and you would expect them to be. They're a League Two team coming to one of the biggest clubs in England, five and a half, five thousand. The, the, the players did them proud, so you expect them to be great. But even though there's brilliant that there were loads of kids there probably coming for the first time and I think we've all seen the videos on Twitter haven't we that lad seeing the pitch mm. absolutely amazing mm. but the atmosphere wasn't great again and it's not been great for a while has it? No and I mean in regards to the Lincoln game I think the you know the ticket and issue, tissue, issue before the game yeah. wouldn't have helped at all and the fact you know we, you know, we, we all went storm ahead first 15 minutes 2-0 we're thinking it could be you know 5-6-0 as Tom said earlier and then you know we hit that brick wall when, they, when we conceded and it just went a bit sour, and and particularly when you see when you're seeing the same approach in terms of the, you know that getting it out to the left, swinging it into the box. If we can't do that, get it back out to the left, swing it into the box again. And we're seeing that get over and over. We you know we are quite impatient fans. I've I've got to admit it, and it's only because we you know we want to see good football and we want to see successful football. Um, at the end of the day, I think this is going to be looked back upon 
as just one of those earlier rounds in the FA Cup. As long as we're in the hat, that's all that matters. And I'm sure if we get a home tie, if we get past Millwall, I'm sure the atmosphere will be right up for it. Rob, before we press record on this, you were talking, it's not just Goodison, you think it's a wider thing? Do you think the atmosphere has changed to the think, big Premier League clubs? I do, I think I think football, Premier League football, sorry, is, it's television driven now. And, you know, look at the Leicester game on New Year's Day. You know, you could hear the players talking to each other, full-on blown, full-blown yeah. conversations because <laughs> of these kick, stupid kick-off times. And it's a mixture of that and, like Max said there you want entertaining football and if you're not getting entertaining football you know you're not you, you're not going to respond to it are you at the end of the day and it, it's, I think I think if you just use Everton as a, as a point a point here you know we haven't been playing well this past this past month month mm. or so so why is there an, what's what's there for the crowd to to get behind you know what I mean mm. and and again, that the, the Lincoln game, you know, it, it's only a cup game at the, at the first first round of the FA Cup for us, and it's only Lincoln. If it was United or Liverpool, you can guarantee the atmosphere probably would be a little bit better than that. But I do, but I do think atmospheres along, along the whole in Premier League football is it's completely different now to what it used to be. It's fans are just different, you know. Liverpool, you know, they sing for three minutes before a game, and that's it. And and you know, the Stafford end isn't, you know, this big what scary this up. big yeah, scary yeah. end anymore yeah. it, it, it's it's just not like that anymore football's it's, it's you could almost say it's calmed down in a way but and it's it's a shame because you know atmosphere is you know some of the nights we've had at Goodison where the atmosphere has been great it's, and it's not like that anymore but I think it's just part and parcel of the modern game now Tom have you seen the change you're only a young lad yourself like but you know say over the last five or six years from Moyes to Martinez and then Coombe and Allardyce and, and Silva now yeah, it's a shame to put it down to why, really. Um, in the bigger clubs, I'd probably put it down to uh, increased tourism. Maybe uh, a lot of people coming to the game, I know in Liverpool, for the for the experience, really, and not to support the side. Maybe that's why their atmosphere is being changed. But in terms of Everton, I don't think that's the case. So it must be something else. So um, why aren't, I, I do think we are getting behind the side as much as we used to, but maybe they're not giving us something to shout about as much. Maybe that's the case. It, we haven't had anything to shout about at Everton for a while now. We haven't had, even when we were in Europe, there was none of those brilliant European nights because we were just getting battered every time we went out there. So they've got to give us something to shout about, really. So I think I'll put the atmosphere at Everton down to that a little bit, to be honest, that they need to, they need to give, us, give us something to shout about, really, like perform on the pitch and then we'll get behind them, really, because at the moment we're going to the match so, sometimes a little bit pessimistic because of the last game <laughs> and things like that. And that, that's what we're in at the moment. We're in a bit of a rut, so... The stands are a bit more quiet, and that's that's going to happen. Um, and I think that's probably why Lincoln was a bit quieter at the weekend and Leicester. Obviously, the kickoff times as well as we mentioned. But when you're in a bad run of form, the fans aren't going to be buzzing over every single game because they're, they're disappointing us every week, and we're not going to go there screaming every week. So they've got to turn it round for us, really. Personally, I feel like we've not had a big result for ages at Goodison. I know, yeah. I, like off the top of my head, maybe City that four 0 game when Tom Davis was was so good. Like <clears throat> I reckon, even in the eighties, like the glory years when we were sweeping everyone aside. Like if you had Fulham at home, you beat them three 0 But the atmosphere was just was okay because it was everyone yeah. expected mm. to be. But it, I think what what I always remember when I had a season ticket when when Moyes was was obviously doing well as manager. 
he seems to have loads of good results at home, doesn't he? You know, like Arsenal last minute winners with Johnson, City seem to always get the better. I, I don't know, is it me or have we just not had one like, one of those yeah, like for a while? I think we've just we've just we've been through a very turbulent period in, in the club's history. I think, you know, we haven't had a good league campaign for the last five years since Martinez's first season. And in, in that you know, in that season we beat Arsenal at home, we beat to think we beat Chelsea at home, we beat, we beat United. Um, United, yeah. Arsenal. You know, we beat a lot of top clubs at home, and it had that you know that bare pit mentality. Obviously, it soured with Martinez, and from then I just think it the, you know false expectations were set, and you know they, as I say, those expectations haven't been met for the last five years. Definitely last season, no question. The style of football would have put anyone off. I think would, if you were a football fan, you probably. I, I doubted myself. That Southampton game last game of the season, I just thought that's not football. Mm. So you know. But Martin Jarvis, who's on our Facebook group again, he's played. He has played a bit devil's advocate here, and I know it's not particularly his fault. It's just a question, but I think it's an interesting one. He's just asking what's your thoughts from the comments from Allardyce about Sylvan. Does he have a point? Have Everton become predictable under Silva? Did the opposition know how to to stop the team? And even though it's definitely more attractive than Big Sam's football, is it more successful? And again, I'll play devil's advocate. I think we're in the same kind of points, aren't we, as we were twelve months ago? What are your thoughts on that and on everything Allardyce has said and, you know, style over substance almost? I see the point a little bit because we mentioned on last week's podcast Everton need to get back to basics, you know, in terms of the defending and things like that. But but Sam Allardyce, at the end of the day, he's he always comes across as the kind of fella who's he's always got something to moan about and he's obviously like, he obviously got, he got the bit, he got binned from Everton so he's going to try and prove his point as much as he possibly can, isn't he? Yeah. And and he, what, what did he make? He made it on TalkSport, didn't he? At the end of the day, they need something to talk about on there. Don't yeah, they? I, I feel like Halladice is one of those, you, you know, you put a camera in front of him and a microphone, he'll, he'll give you something controversial. Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, just for the sake of doing it yeah. rather than, and at the end of the day, he's probably done it about West Ham, he's probably done it about Blackburn, Newcastle, he's probably done it about every club that he's managed and... and like Silver, I don't really take much notice of what he says, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree completely. You can't put much stock in what he said, and considering he got, what, like a nine million day payday off us, yeah. you know, you'd think he'd have a lot more respect. Um, I think, in just to kind of, in terms of the argument that he, cause what was it, like stability over style of football, in terms of market and Everton as a global brand, I would much rather have Marco Silver's face at the yeah. front of our club yeah. than Sam Allardyce. Um, mm. And I think that's as far, that's as far as much as it needs to have, us, to be honest. He was an emergency measure, really, wasn't he? It's kind of like looking back on the managers of Everton. He's one of those you, you'd rather forget about, to be honest, yeah. and think, "Oh God, he came to Everton." One of them, like, but he's like, I can't remember who he was who put it on Twitter, but he's like, he's like an ex-girlfriend who won't go away. He's just kind of <laughs> keeps fighting back, yeah, kind of thing. But um, no, he just he just keeps going on, doesn't he? He keeps piping up all the time, every couple of months, every time he gets an appearance on here. On a national media show, but now we don't need to take any um, anything from that really. And I was surprised that anyone put it to Marco Silva, to be honest, because I don't, I wouldn't set so much store by it to bring it up in a press conference, to be honest. And we should just get on with what we're doing because it's a long-term project. Um, what Allardyce was doing was emergency measures, and if we are going to play better and play ourselves into that top six, we do need to play attacking football. We're not going to get that from sitting back like some some of the lower sides do. So, in the in the in the bigger picture, long term, that's the way we need to play. So. Don't say anything, anything by those comments whatsoever. Yeah, you're spot on. We've, we've said it on this podcast, haven't we, all season? Uh, it is a long-term project. Patience is needed, but you, you've got to balance that up against form, haven't you? And then you look at the moments, I think it's one win in eight, but then I was going to look at Bournemouth and it's two win in 11. And 
let's face it, there's not much riding on this game on Sunday. But but in terms of perception, is there, Rob? You know, like, is this a game we've, we've got to win? I think I think we've got to win every game. You know what I mean? But but I, I know what you're saying. It's at the end of the day, us, Bournemouth, Leicester, Robbie West Ham, we're all aiming for that seventh position, really, aren't we? And I think for me, we've got to win. Take the cup game out the equation. We've got to win to stop this rot, you know, in the league and, and get the fans back on side at Goodison because, you know, that Leicester game and the Tottenham game before that were really poor and obviously the Christmas period wasn't great. Um, but, but yeah, it, it'll be a tough game, but one that I think we've really, really got to be up for and we've really got to try and get that, them three points because otherwise, if you don't win that, then the next one, we've got two away games then, haven't we? I think yeah, on the bounce Southampton Southampton mm. and Huddersfield and, then, and Millwall in between and Millwall yeah. in between and then Wolves so to, to you know get the win at Goodison and then it sets you up then for an away run then where again these are games where you know arguably we should be winning so you know it, it's not a must must win game you know what I mean it's not it's not nothing like massive hinging on it but at the same time though it, it's must win in the sense of just to stop this rot and to, to get the confidence back up there yeah, you look at the the Watford game, the Newcastle game, the Brighton game, the Leicester game. You know, from an Evertonian's perspective, they should be, you know they should be three points. And to, I think this is the top point that Tom made. Unfortunately, we you know we fell into that bracket now because because we don't win games like that that we should. We fell into the bracket as you know obviously Bournemouth are doing a little bit better than expected this season, but we fell into the bracket of Leicester, Bournemouth mm. and these sides that are battling off for seventh rather than you know. We were that seventh member of the top six. Now we fell in, you know, we fell into a selection of clubs that are battling for it, unfortunately. Um, and you know, as you say, to, to win against Bournemouth, it just to you know, put that space between us. We are, as we said, we, we are in that kind of bracket where it's scrappy for seventh. Now we're not clearly the seventh best team in the Premier League anymore this season. Anyway, where we are at this at this point in time, we're no better than Bournemouth at the moment, which is a shame. So. Whether it's like a guaranteed three points is not anymore, whereas in in the past maybe it would have been, but we are in the same bracket and they're possibly scoring more goals, doing a little bit better than us at the moment. So that's why it's going to make it difficult this January from a transfer point of view to getting maybe a top-class striker or top-class players anywhere in the pitch because we are at that level of those sides at the moment and would Bournemouth attract a a top striker? No, they wouldn't. Would Everton? No, we wouldn't. At the same, because we are on the same level at, at this point of time, so it will be a scrappy one, and hopefully we'll come out on top. Um, because we have got, I think, better players, but um, we need to get out this run of form, as Rob said, because we, we, I think we are better sides than those, but not at the moment, and we need to prove it. So this is the perfect opportunity to do so. Before I get your predictions and finish the podcast, I was just there. Uh, sorry, we've been rude, Danny, if you didn't hear me for, for a few seconds because I'm just following our live blog because we're recording this at the time of the uh, Everson AGM and it, it's just come up there that Marcel Brands has been appointed to the board of directors. So not only is he a director right. of football, he's actually a, uh, a board member now. What's your reaction to that? That shows, doesn't it, like how important a role he's got at this football club and, and does that please you? And it shows he's long term as well. Yeah. You know, I think that's I think that's key. You know, his recruitment so far has been second to none, really. You know, the, the lads he's brought in, and not even that, that the people he managed to ship out as well. You know, has been great. So, the fact that he's now on the board, I think that speaks. I think that speaks volumes for his character. He does see this as a long term project, and he is here for the for the foreseeable future. Um, and it speaks volumes of the club as well to to pin someone like that down. And now, you know, this guy is going to be dictating things now for the best part of however many years, rather than just be. A, be it uh, just a couple of years maybe short term project so good yeah 
Yeah, it's it's a new way of working, isn't it? Like we probably we were so used to David Moyes for a number of years. What I understand, he, he managed everything. Like he was completely in control of everything. But it looks like reading here, Dave Prentice, uh, our head of sports, is saying that Brands will have responsibility for the whole football strategy, not just player recruitment. Uh, says uh, our CEO. He's clearly made a huge impact in a very short time at the club. I suppose this is the way football's going, isn't yeah, it, Max? It, you know, it, you know, a, where you have a coach now and then you have a guy who is driving, you know, with the philosophy and everything that goes with a football yeah, club it, now. It's a leap into modern times for the club. And I said at the time he was appointed, that is just as valuable as getting Marco Silva in. Because, you know, even if Marco Silva at some point does go, at least, you know, he is there, not just as director of football now, but as someone on the board, into the managing football strategy, managing the football, you know, operations at the club. And um, in terms of director of the football, I don't think there are too many better out there. Obviously, you know, we, we've seen what he's done at PSV and touch wood, he can pull something like that off at us. I just think that I've just had a little look myself at the live feed. Uh, Denise Barrett-Baxendale has been quoted as saying, I want to emphasise this will take time, commitment and focus. It's very much a long-term strategy. So, you know, which it will. It, which it will, you know, uh, and it's what we've been saying all season. This isn't, this isn't a quick fix. This is, this is three to four years, maybe even five since that Martinez first season of mismanagement from, 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 from we, all, from all set, levels. We've been set back. Yeah, from many all, years. yeah, from all levels of the club, whether it be the playing, you know, the playing staff to the backroom staff, it's, it's been completely mismanaged, and it's going to take time to fix it. And I, for me, I can see, I can see the, you know, the green shoots on the ground really. Um, you know, you're gonna you're bound to get some bumps on the road which we're in now. And uh I think yeah, I think it'll uh, it'll turn itself around eventually within you know, you'd like to say within the next twelve to eighteen months this team is really starting to bear fruit and we're you know, we're consistently challenging that top six, maybe even pushing the top four then. Just wanna look ahead to Bournemouth with we've we've now uh, reacted to that breaking news there, but yeah, before uh, before we finish that's really great news about Brands, but immediately Bournemouth on Sunday. What's your prediction? Start with you, Sam. Um, I think there will be goals. There usually is with Bournemouth, and um, I think they're, they're a side that can concede goals as well as score quite a few. So I can see it being a high-scoring affair. Um, hopefully, we'll defend better than that. But uh, I'm going to go for a two-one win myself. Yeah, two-one, and Dominic Solanke. Inevitably, <laughs> he can't play, can he? No, he's, he's, he's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing until February. Yeah. So I, I, I was made up when I found it, it, that it, out. It'll be, be Klein scoring him, won't it? Your fancy hard screamer. Yeah. Rob, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to agree with Tom. High score, and I'm going to go three-two Everton. I think it's going to be. I think we're going to go at them early doors, and then they'll make it uncomfortable for us. That's my prediction on it. Hopefully we can get over the line on like last time. Mm. We get a 2-0 lead, hold on to it. Yeah, I'm going to go 4 2. Still got memories. Was it 6 3 a couple of years ago? Yeah, we were 3 0 up half time. Yeah. 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 Do you still think, before we finish, just a random thought, do you think that Lukaku, if he was in this team now, or if he was in the team last season, it's a whole different ball game? That strike who can score 25 yeah. goals. Yeah. yeah. That Lukaku, Goal. yeah, but not this Lukaku. I not don't this. think at the no, moment. No. He's completely no. out of shape. His touch is even worse than it was, which was terrible anyway. But. Lukaku in the shape that he was when he was at Everton, completely, possibly pushing top four, but Lukaku at the moment, no. No better than Richarlison up front. Oh. And do you think he'll start up front Saturday? Was that what we I probably so. didn't talk line up, did we? Do you think Richarlison to, to lead the line? I think, I think before we went on this, before the derby, when we went on this bad run of form, you know, we were playing Richarlison up top and it was it was working because the results were coming in. So let's go back to that rather than chopping and changing the striker all the time. And, you know, let's... 
get Bernard out wide, Richarlison through the middle, and Luchman uh, on the other flank as well. Good stuff. Thanks very much for joining us, lads. I'm sure on the Echo site there'll be loads about the AGM in the coming days. Uh, and let's hope we get the three points on Sunday. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.